Stand by. Hello and welcome to the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. And now your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Libricuba. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. Today, within the Libricube is, of course, well, I guess, of course, doesn't make sense, but it is... TV Tuesday, sometimes referred to as Television Tuesday. Hmm. Little, uh, little fact there for you, a little tidbit. Something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. So, this is your one, and probably only spoiler warning, you have been warned. Something else I like to say, or rather say in an order to gain an audience, even more so than I already have, which is uh, not too shabby, I should say, is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes. Love, Lee. Love, you. Last piece of podcast-related midness before we get in is, of course, today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is the hot new lingerie fashion fashions from designer Lynn Greer. I am, of course, talking about Lynn Greer's Lingering Lingiri. Once again, today's sponsor is the hot new lingerie fashion line from Lynn Greer. Lynn Greer's Lingering Lingiri. Okay, television show The First is one of those shows that the missus enjoys while I lie next to her and don't immediately, immediately say, turn this garbage off. A ringing endorsement. It is, of course, my crazy obsession... I'm not sure why I don't mind the show. I think it's just to see what the human brain is capable of. <laughs> Perhaps that's it. The first obsession was a man who ate bugs. Now, there are people all over the world who eat bugs probably every day, so it's not that strange. However, what sort of takes it into the realm of craziness, he lives in sort of a, an American industrial-type city and has these bugs flown in from all over the world, and this instance, he flew in this uh, centipede from, I guess it was somewhere in the Amazon, Brazilian rainforest, somewhere down there, that is supposed to be one of the most poisonous bugs in the world, and decided to chomp down on that. He said it wasn't his favorite. <laughs> yeah. As the missus and I were watching this, we kind of had the conversation, as you do, uh, would you eat bugs? And I think I would. I, I would try it. I'm a big uh, sort of believer in try everything once, and if you don't like it, you don't have to try it again. Huh? Uh, the next one was a dumpster diver. We have seen this before. I don't think it was on this particular show. Uh, but it's, I believe, what they call freeganism, in which people will only eat sort of discarded food. Mmm, tasty. See, I would rather eat, eat bugs than food that was in a dumpster, or eat bugs that are found in a dumpster. Hey, best of both worlds, these two should get together. Uh, she did something, this girl, that kind of 
blew me away that she would have the balls to do this. She did her dumpster diving, as she does, and then cooked a meal with her findings and served it up to her friends and neighbors without telling them. <laughs> oh, fuck, man, I would have been pissed. Some of them looked uh, a little upset, but because there were cameras there, I think, they didn't totally let loose. Jesus. Not good. The third episode was a girl who was obsessed, crazily, you might say, with troll doll <laughs> Troll dolls. Uh, both the missus and I said that we remembered when we were younger, we each had a troll doll. Uh, this girl had rooms full of them. She had clothing with them, a bikini with them. She had what I <laughs> and the missus would refer to as a butterface, uh, which is, of course, she had a pretty smoking hot body. Butterface was not very good. <laughs> she, in fact, had a troll mask that she would put on. And one of the creepiest things I've ever seen on this show is this woman in her troll bikini with the troll mask on. It was... Uh, I don't think I'll ever be able to look at a troll doll in the same way, basically. Ooh. One sort of cool thing that came here is she has a collection of many different troll dolls, as you can imagine, and she went to, like, an antique store and, and found another one, and it was kind of a cool one, actually, that I would like to have. It's uh, It was a two-headed troll doll. Apparently, they didn't make very many of them, but it, it was pretty cool to look at. So these first three Crazy Obsession people have in common that... It's sort of their obsession, and they were all, yeah, they were all married, but their sort of significant others kind of wanted nothing to do with it, <laughs> even to the point of the dumpster diving one, <laughs> where the husband, his face was all blacked out, and they changed his voice. That is when you really know you, you want nothing to do with the situation. Uh, that was funny. Now, with the last one, it was a little different in that the whole family was involved. Mother, father, and son. And they were crazily obsessed with taxidermy and hunting. So they had hunted uh, something like, I don't know if I wrote this number down right, 3,000 different animals hunted and killed and stuffed and mounted all of these things. You should see. You should have seen their house. It was just wall-to-wall dead animals. Now, I know they've sort of been dried out and, well, taxidermied, but they still have to have sort of a funk develop about them, do they not? All that all that fur? Uh, the, f the thing I liked about this one is somehow, some way, the kid of this family had a girlfriend who was uh, not bad to look at and kind of didn't care that he was such a freak for the taxidermying. <laughs> but then... Uh, this girl's parents came over to visit this house, and you could tell the mother was just not impressed whatsoever and wanted to get the hell out of there. And you could tell in the car ride home there was going to be a talk of, you're, you're, there's no way you're hanging out with this crazy kid again. Something to that effect. Okay, let's get in. My plan here is to get three shows done on the way to work and then save... Yes, you guessed it, Doctor Who season finale for the drive home. Hopefully I can accomplish that, but I have to hurry. Next is Conan O'Brien. Brought me back some of those because I haven't in a while, and he had quite a selection to choose from this week. So, let's start off with, uh, they've added this thing on the show, and uh, they've done it a handful of times now, where Nick Offerman, who you may know from Parks and Recreation, will read the tweets of young female celebrities. 
So the the the, I, the comedy there is obviously with the sort of juxtaposition of this manly of manliest men reading these just ridiculous tweets. I uh, highly, highly recommend you check that out. A lot of the girls that he read, I did not even know, recognize their names. Uh, he did a Katy Perry one, Amanda Bynes, because apparently uh, she's crazy now, so I hear. Interesting. And then a, a handful of girls, I don't even know who they were. Uh, next, he had on Jennifer Love Hewitt, or as I like to refer to her, um, <laughs> Jennifer Love Huge Tits. Pause for comedy, yes. She has a new show called, oh, I didn't write it down, mm, The Client List. Oh, look at that, memory. In which she plays a masseuse. <laughs> she told the story about how uh, these sort of guest stars will come out and she'll be massaging them and they'll sort of direct her to aches and pains they have in their back, despite the fact that they are acting. This is acting, people. This is not a real massage. So uh, I found that amusing. She apparently has uh, directed a bunch of these things, so that's uh, pretty impressive. And uh, <laughs> something else that uh, sort of popped up is that quite often she will be on the show in her lingerie and directing at the same time, so she feels that sometimes taken slightly less seriously while directing in lingerie as in um, sort of normal clothes. Yeah, I could see that. Next they had on Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is good. Love Jim Gaffigan. Super, super funny. He read a fan letter, as he described it, was from a serial killer of some sort. Ooh, just one of those crazy, crazy fan letter letters that celebs get, right? No. <laughs> they then showed a picture of it, and it was quite obviously done by, like, a, like a six-year-old kid. It was, like, in crayon with drawings, but he read it in a very menacing way. Which made it funny. Hmm. Next he had on Zach Galifianakis, who is, I guess, out and about lately plugging uh, Hangover 3. I get the feeling that he's the kind of dude that doesn't like going around plugging his movies, but it's one of those things you gotta do. He's super, super funny, too. Sometimes in interviews, he's just so awkward that, uh, honestly, sometimes I can't tell if it's awkward for the sake of comedy, or he actually is this awkward. He talked about how he makes fun of Ed Helms's teeth. <laughs> Which is me. Don't make fun of Ed Helms. He seems like a nice guy. Oh. Last, they had on Zachary Quinto, who is playing Spock in the most recent Star Trek Into Darkness movie that just came out that I'm going to see maybe this weekend, maybe sometime next month. Love, please. Uh, one thing that came up in his interview, which, uh, as I said, I'm trying to avoid, I said in yesterday's episode, actually, I'm trying to avoid the spoilers, definitely, but I'm going so far as to avoid any knowledge of the movie before it comes out. I guess I couldn't really help it with this interview. Maybe I shouldn't have watched it. But it came out that this Spock is a lot more emotional, he was saying. And I don't like that thought, <laughs> so I hope he's not just sort of overly emotional. He's a Vulcan. He's not supposed to be emotional at all. Hmm. I don't like it. So, we'll see. Okay, let's move on to one more item before I get to work. This is a new show added to my TV show watching repertoire. It is Marin. Oh, as in Mark Marin. The show is called Marin. He is called Mark Marin. It is a sort of 
I assume, loose interpretation of his actual life, with some um, exaggeration for comedic effect. Yes? I very much enjoyed it. I will, after watching two episodes, go five out of five. Yeah. Yeah, that much enjoyed. Uh, what I like to see most in the first episode was that uh, if you are unfamiliar with Mark Marin, he has a podcast in which uh, people will come on and he will interview them. Hey, he's one of the first to do so. Sort of uh, one of the granddaddies of podcasters. People he will interview such as Mr. David Foley. Uh, David Foley, who you may remember from Kids in the Hall. Also, uh, one of my favorite shows. Ah, uh, shit. News Radio, almost forgot the name. Uh, he was Mark Marin's guest on the podcast on the show. Uh, showed up, <laughs> this was funny, showed up just totally drunk. Drunk slash get on the process of getting hung over. They apparently had an appointment to do this podcast the week prior. Dave Foley did not show up to that appointment. However, showed up a week later and drunk. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he was, he was really good in that. Sort of actually stole, stole the show a little bit from Mark Marin. Uh, Mark Marin came across his pregnant ex-wife, so that kind of got him a little riled up, which, uh, I've talked about on this podcast before. I think last fr internet day, how he's sort of known for, well, being a dick. Uh, I did mention that I've never really seen evidence of this fact, but I think he's sort of trying to, illustrated a little in this TV show that uh, it, 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 it sort of exists within his personality that he can uh, crank up this dickiness. Uh, a lot of this first episode focused on how uh, one of his Twitter followers uh, was sort of calling him out on Twitter and saying mean, nasty, you are not funny type things to him. So what does he do? Well, of course, he tracks him down. <laughs> Which, for some reason, I think he may have done this in real life. I think I remember listening to the podcast once, and this story coming up, how uh, a Twitter follower uh, was just sort of letting him have it, saying he's not funny, he's a hack, what have you. And he tracked him down and went and talked to him, or something to that effect. Also, sort of, we learn from this episode that he is a cat lover. Hmm. He is sort of turning into, it feels like, the lonely old cat, Catwoman, crazy Catwoman, but in male form. Hmm. Okay, so that was episode one. Episode two was titled Dead Possum. Uh, the guest on his podcast on this episode was none other than Mr. Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary, huge, huge fan of, loved Rescue Me, easy 5 out of 5 for that. Try to watch anything he's in, really because he's good in everything. Uh, it turns out there is a dead possum underneath Mark Marin's house uh, in sort of his crawl space. I think in California, quite often houses don't have basements. Is that the case? For some reason, I think that might be the case. Interesting. Anyways, so underneath his house is a dead possum. He didn't even sort of know, realize that he could gain access to underneath his house through a, through a like sort of a door vent on his side. Dennis Leary had to point this out. And then sort of pointed out that Mark Marin is basically not a man. Did not have the cojones to fix anything in his house, let alone go under and retrieve a dead possum. 
Which, uh, basically, he was correct. <laughs> this episode, Mark Marion hires an assistant. Basically, they go to the hardware store and get all suited up for this mission of crawling under the house to get this dead possum. They just buy a shit ton of stuff to complete this job. And then, Mark Marin's uh, Mexican gardener shows up and says, okay, well, I'll go get it. Mark Marin and the assistant are all like, well, I guess you'll need, need this, you'll need this. Uh, here's some tools. Uh, this sounds like a big job. Uh, probably the three of us should go in and do it. And the Mexican gardener's like, no, I'll go get it. And he just friggin' puts a bandana over his face, crawls in, go gets it, puts it in the garbage bag, bada boom, bada bing, I'm at work. So, I will stop talking. Hmm. What an interesting idea. I will be back, though, in eight hours to polish this off with a little Doctor Who season finale. What the hell is the name of the Doctor? I will also say, love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back! We are back! We are back! 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 We are back! Back in action! Hello again! <laughs> Driving home, halfway done the work week, not too shabbles. Also not too shabbles, or shabby if you prefer, is my last remaining TV show, specifically Doctor Who season finale. I actually did not know it was the season finale until I don't even know how I do know. Did it say something when I watched it? Uh, I think it might have. Uh, I have mentioned I do watch this up here in Canada on the Space Channel website as they kindly provide the last couple of episodes, so thank you very much to them. Give them some props. Uh, I think if you are in the States, you could probably watch on uh, BBC America, and if you are in other countries, I don't know what to tell you. It will be available somewhere to you to get your greedy, greedy mitts on. Your greedy Doctor Who loving mitts. Uh, the episode is titled, The Name of the Doctor. Funny, for some reason, I can't remember why, the missus said to me like a month ago, Oh, did you hear about um, this episode, The Name of the Doctor? She thought it was like a movie, a Doctor Who movie that was coming out. Uh, yeah. Has absolutely zero care or knowledge of Doctor Who. Although, I think I'm sort of slowly... Uh, at the very least, uh, hammering random Doctor Who facts into her brain that just sort of seep out of me, so that's something. Oh, I should mention just on hammering Doctor Who into people, you know, uh, finally got someone, I think, possibly, maybe, to watch it. <laughs> this show is sort of famous for people sort of not really knowing too much about it, and then watching a couple episodes, and then being hooked for life. I can say that is how it happened to me, and uh, quite possibly, uh, I lent someone the first two seasons, when I say t first two seasons, I mean the first two seasons of the sort of reboot, because I didn't and have not watched any of the old classic episodes, let's call them. I, I, I'm not against watching any of the old episodes, it's just 
I kind of don't know where to begin, and I don't know where to turn to ask people where to be, to begin with classic episodes, and I don't know where to find them, and there's a lot of things in my way to getting into them, but uh, that being said, I would get into them. Hmm. What was I saying? Uh, yeah, so hopefully this friend who I lent these to will now be hooked as well, so I will have someone to say, yeah, this is an awesome show. Huh? Huh? Although I guess I just said it right now, so... Maybe this podcast is my friend. Oh, adorables. The name of the doctor. I made the prediction to the missus that despite the sort of possibility and tease that we find out what the doctor's name is, it would not actually happen. Big spoiler here, I guess. It did not happen. You do not find out what the doctor's name is. Hmm. Is it a spoiler? To say that something did not happen? If I had to just came out and blurted out that they did say his name and what it is, that would have been pretty pretty spoilery. But the fact that it did not happen, it's sort of a whole kettle of fish. Hmm. Yes. Kettle of fish and cream. Oh, shit. Okay, so let me uh, jump into my notes and see... Fucking the bug in my car. I don't know what it is either. Kind of mosquito-like, but not... Out of here. Uh, okay, so it starts off with sort of what feels like a dream or a vision or a, um, I'm not quite sure what, um, of Clara, the doctor's current companion, having sort of flashbacks, I think is kind of sort of, kind of sort of a way to look at it. Flashbacks of her trying to save other incarnations of the Doctor. Because as you know, the Doctor does not die, per se. He rather mm, dies. <laughs> yeah. And then is sort of reincarnated. No, not reincarnated. Rejuvenated. Re-something. Re-enlivened. Re re reinvigorated with life into a sort of different looking form. That's why all these different actors have played him. Got it? Good. This episode, like uh, one not too too long ago, the Crimson Horror, which I spoke of, uh, also takes a journey to London in 1893 to visit Vastra and Vastra's wife, Jenny, along with their sort of manservant, kind of, uh, by the name of Strax. Manservant, perhaps not accurate, Bodyguard, also not accurate, but maybe if you smush them both together in a sort of body that kind of, to me, looks like a thumb, like as if a thumb was the size of a human being and then had a face on it, that's kind of what he looks like to me. Obviously not human, neither is Vastra, Jenny is human. Although a lesbian, hmm, should mention that. Little lesbian, <laughs> I love that. That within the Doctor Who universe, there is a lesbian relationship between a human female and a reptilian female who has sort of evolved from the dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Yes, that happens. So uh, these three, along with Clara and even uh, River Song, sort of meet up in a dream. Uh, sort of, not dream per se, but a sort of an astral walking. Uh, 
anyways, it's it's kind of a way for people to communicate between space and time without having to be uh, within each other's presence. Cool little idea involving basically drugs from the sound of it. They are all meeting to discuss the Doctor. They are meeting because a very, very bad man sort of pleaded pleaded with his life that he had news of the Doctor, uh, sort of hinted at... Mm, how do I say this? Hinted at his name, his death, um, things of that nature. I don't want to go into too much detail. Let's see if I can do this without giving too much away. Goddamn bug. Fucking name. While they're having this meeting, their sort of bodies are left behind, and they're in this astral plane. Um, it turns out that these sort of scary-looking dudes in top hats, kind of dressed as undertakers, with to like totally smooth white faces, with the exception of their gnarly-looking mouths and sharp teeth, they kind of reminded me of from Buffy... The Vampire Slayer, in case uh, you thought I was talking of a different Buffy. Um, there were these guys who sort of floated ar along in suits. What would they do? They would, like, suck out your noise. <laughs> that doesn't really make sense. But uh, suck out your noise so you could not talk, basically. That's what they did in Buffy. Here, I'm not quite sure what their MO uh, was at this point. However, they killed Jenny. Oh, sadness. I liked her. They were then going to kill Strax and Vastra, but they sort of woke up in time. The The sort of underlying point of this meeting was to get the message to the Doctor that he must not go to a planet called Trazalore. Trazalore. It turns out that on the planet Trazalore is the Doctor's grave slash dead body where his existence ended, basically. The reason he should not go there is sort of manyfold, but one of the main things in the Doctor Who universe is that you are not allowed, or should you ever, cross your own time, time stream. So by that I mean I shouldn't go back to one of my former selves and tell them to do or to not do something. Uh, it screws things up basically. So the doctor goes anyways. <laughs> uh, as you do. As he does. He doesn't listen. Uh, he goes to basically save to save everyone because he wouldn't do this for selfish needs or wants. He does it to save. Save people. That's, he cannot help himself but save people. Even if it means um, doing something he should not do. He gets there, and uh, one of the cool things they did is that uh, the TARDIS that he flies around in, spaceship slash, slash time machine, has sort of grown in size to be huge, uh, almost mountain asset looked. Uh, that's because, as you know, the TARDIS is bigger on the inside. However, when a TARDIS uh, sort of not destroyed is the right word, but reaches such an advanced age, the ability to keep it uh, larger on the inside sort of leaks, and then it becomes big on the outside. He reaches sort of the foot of this uh, Mount Tardis, is a way to look at it, and waiting for him there is Dr. Simeon. 
who you may remember from past episodes. Just a bit of a badass, yeah, wants to fuck with shit, basically. The Doctor has foiled his plans at least once that I can think of, involving uh, snowmen that came alive, that guy. He and these sort of no-faced men are almost a little Borg-like in that if you kill one, he can sort of transfer his consciousness to another. Cool. Beans. He wants in to this TARDIS. The password to get in is the Doctor's name. His actual real name is the password to get in. The Doctor says, no, I'm not going to tell you. However, River Song is there in... A little confusing. River Song is there, but only there in sort of spirit. There as a ghost. A ghost, but kind of more like the collection of her knowledge and personality that is stored in a computer library. More like that than a ghost. <laughs> what the fuck? Anyways, so she's there. No one can see her, really, except for Clara. So she says the doctor's name. She says it. This is how they sort of got around this fact. She says it, uh, and only Clara, I guess, could hear it. No one else, including us, watching these things unfold, could not hear it either. So, meh. Uh, they, they hop inside, and then this Dr. Simeon character comes apart across what I kind of think of as the Doctor's body, sort of, as it has died. It's sort of... The way I'm looking at it is it opened a rift in space and time, a rift created by basically all his travelings in space and time, because that is not natural, so there's going to be some side effects to this fact, including, upon his death, this rift, a doorway. Dr. Simeon then steps into this doorway, which then sort of spreads him throughout um, all events that the Doctor has had throughout all of his existence. What? So every time the Doctor has saved someone, every time he has vanquished a foe, every time he has basically lived life, now Dr. Simeon would sort of pop up in these major occurrences and stop him from winning. Which, as you can imagine, with the billions and trillions and Brazilians of people he has saved and affected along his huge, just huge life, uh, it's not good. It is, in fact, bad. Hmm. So, who is going to save the day? Of course, it is his companion, Clara. Clara, Clara. Uh, this is sort of the big spoiler. How does Clara exist? because she has sort of popped up in his timeline from time to time, and he could not explain this fact, so this is what happened. She stopped in, popped in to help him save the day uh, throughout all of his existence. Cool beans. Uh, it ends, this episode ends with some cliffhangery parts, uh, including the fact that Clara, who has traveled into this rift in space-time, is... Not dead, so that's good. However, she's sort of trapped in this sort of limbo-like no-man's land, uh, along with this part I didn't really get the significance of what is actually happening, along with what I think is one of the incarnations of the Doctor 
either far past or far future, played by Mr. John Hurt. <laughs> the reason I know very specifically played by John Hurt, because they are in this, let's just call it limbo, because that's what it kind of felt like, and then John Hurt turns around, and it sort of freezes on his face and says, and introducing John Hurt as the Doctor. So, kind of weird and interesting, and what does it all mean? Very, very much looking forward to finding out uh, what the fucking deal is, man, because I, I don't know what to think about that. I think just sort of gathering various tidbits that John Hurt uh, is an incarnation of the Doctor who either did do or will do very, very bad things. So the Doctor sort of wants, the current incarnation of the Doctor, I should say, wants sort of nothing to do with him, but I think he is not going to be so lucky cool, loves it. Uh, what you could do, what I would not mind if you did, if you watched along with this episode of Doctor Who and are a fan like myself, maybe to get a little audience participation going, you can email me to the address provided in the closing credits. You can tweet at me, Jordan underscore Maywood, and let me know what you think John Hurt's role will be in the next season. Uh, curious to hear your ideas, and perhaps I will bring them back to the Liberal Cube. Wouldn't that be nice? Folks, speaking of nice, <laughs> king of the segues. King of the segues. Folks, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Liberal Cubicle Wrist. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us you can do so via the email address mailwood.jordan at gmail.com And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper